Welcome to the Rap Race to Buy podcast, where we discuss money, mindset, real estate investing, and ways to achieve financial independence. Whether you are a rookie or a veteran needing new ideas for investing or creating side hustles, you're in the right place. Here to challenge you to think out of the box, your hosts, Felipe Mejia and Diego Corzo. Welcome to the Rat Race to Five podcast. Diego, I am super excited. Today, we finally get to interview Andres Bustamante. This is a great story of a young man who's doing super, super good and the right things. One of the things that we talk about in the podcast today, though, is that he wakes up at 4.30 in the morning. Who does that? I know. I know. It's crazy. And he's building those habits that has definitely contributed to his success. And we're going to share, he shares his story on how he literally cold called me and a few months later, he's in my team, he's buying a home to house hack, he's in our mastermind group, and just how everything happened, his whole life changed from just one simple call call. It didn't have to be me, but it's just the matter that he took action towards what he wanted to do. So I'm super, super excited to hear, to hear his story. Yeah, it's really good. One of the things that I really like that he talks about as well uh, is having six figures worth of net worth on a property that he controls but doesn't own yet. And the way he controls it is he's put the money as the earnest money down for this to get this contract. And he doesn't even own the property and he's already got six figures. Worth. We're going to jump into that information, guys. Get ready for this one. This one's going to be a great one. Andres Bustamante, welcome to the show, bro. Hey, what's up, Andres? This is Felipe, and I got Diego right beside me, bro. Welcome to the Rat Race to Five podcast. Seriously, man, thank you for taking some time out of your busy day. I know that you're super busy in Austin. Who's not moving there? But tell us who you are, Andres. Who? Wh what do you do, bro? What's going on? Give us a, give us an overview of your portfolio, too. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Really appreciate it. My name is Andres Bustamante. I'm from El Paso, Texas, 24 years old. Currently in Austin, Texas with Diego Corzo. I have... Four properties, one which I live in right now, which I'm house hacking, two others that I'm going to house hack as new builds, and one Airbnb. Those will be closing this year. Oh, that's so cool. You said new builds. You, you're house hacking a new build? What do you mean? Yeah, so essentially house hacking a new build is a great way to get into the home buying process with someone that has maybe like a problem, like they have a lease and they want to get a home, but they don't want to break their lease. So with a new build, essentially what you do is you get a home under contract with something known as an earnest deposit. Can range from around 500 to 3000. That's what I've been seeing in Austin. You get it under contract, you lock the price, and that's all you have to pay until you close on the property. So with this, there's a lot of benefits like lender incentives. They provide closing costs. If you go with their preferred lender, there's also a big warranty that new builds provide. Also, the fact that there can be a lot of equity if you lock your price, say five months before it's closing, they're going to build it with homes values going up and a single family home homes, their sales, they're based on the comparables of other homes. So with that intrinsically, your price will most likely be going up on my second house hack. That's a new build. I am estimated to get 120,000 in equity. The builder just sent me an email with that. So it's pretty insane. That's awesome. And Andres, you said that you are 24 years old, right? Yes, 24 years old. And you bought your first property when you were 23. Yes, the first property was awesome because of the fact that connections are just so important in real estate. And um, I mean, 
knowing Diego and Felipe, they get their testaments to that because I wanted to get a home when I was 23. I uh, met Diego through Bigger Pockets, heard his podcast, reached out to him. And then from there is kind of long story short, I got on your team, Diego. And I remember we were watching the Super Bowl last year. I can't believe it was a year ago. Exactly a year ago. <laughs> we just stayed for the for the halftime show and we're like, eh, eh, eh. But then we had to go do a we had to go do a contract for my first buyer. And while we were doing the contract, I remember perfectly you told me, dude, this home's going off the market. A builder that I have a good relationship with just told me. He's not going to put it on the MLS yet. If you want it, you should get it because it's a four beds by three and a half baths. So relationships are huge. I went the next day within the next 30 minutes of seeing the home. I put it under contract for a thousand dollars. That's all I needed to get to get my feet wet kind of with real estate. And then from there, I figured everything else out four months from closing, you know? Awesome. And Andre, so you would, What's really great about you is that after you heard me on the Bigger Pockets podcast, you literally just call called me. And that's something that not many people do. But I remember I was on a trip and I told you, hey, call, call me back tomorrow or something like that. You called me. He was busy. He didn't want to talk to you on this. Look, I'm, gonna, I'm on the other side of those things. Look, look, look. I'm on the other side of those things, bro. He didn't want to talk to you. He, he was like, ah, I'll call him later. He might call me back. We do that all the time. Maybe. <laughs> no. You want to I see if I'd DC. bite the second time? <laughs> no, on, I, I was in he was DC playing hard when to he get. called me. So. <laughs> but after that, we scheduled a lunch meeting. He told me a little bit about what his goals were. And I really like I saw myself in him because I was like, dude, you have the same goals that I used to have when I was your age. So let me help you. And the hair and the beard. All right. So well, was, hold on. Hold on. Yeah. Hold on. Andres, did you pay for lunch? Dude, of course, because of the. So, so Diego was Di looking no, for but a Diego, free lunch. <laughs> <laughs> He's a smart guy, dude. He's a smart guy. <laughs> but I remember because it's like, dude, it's valuable time, you know, like you can't just take that for granted. And the fact that Diego took the time to talk to me. I wanted to show it somehow. I, I want to provide value, first of all. But then another way of showing that, it's like, dude, I knew I was going to pay. There was no way the arrow was. You, 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 paid, you paid for lunch, and then you got a house, and you have $120,000 worth of equity. I think the ROI on that lunch has just like. <laughs> worth of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you should, I hope you got him a good steak. All right, well, that's awesome. I know you probably have a great story, and we're going to get into that. Um, I'd love, I love like the house hacking that you do with the new builds, especially because your CapEx is probably super low for like, because of all the insurance involved. So I know that gets super, super intriguing and I can't wait to hear all about that. But I'm going to put that on the back end because that's what every other podcast does is they hype up the investor about their investing. And I don't care about the size of your portfolio. So <laughs> let's talk about Andres Bustamante. Andres, who are you though? Without mentioning real estate, who is Andres? Who, I mean, who are you? Like, how would you, how would you, represent yourself and this is the reason i'm asking this question on this is because there's a lot of people out there that look at us as investors and say oh i want to get to that position and they see us in themselves right or vice versa they're like man i really want to do that so you know let's let's uh let's start making some connections who are you andres quien eres yeah so with me born in el paso like i said earlier i really think the real estate journey for me started when i was 19 when i moved to austin to the university of texas at austin and I initially thought I was going to be doing supply chain, but in the end, I mean, I feel like anyone getting into college doesn't really know what they want. I mean, as a little kid, we're like, oh, we want this and that, but we're not that sure. And I wasn't sure at all. 
So what I did, it's like, if I want to do supply chain, I better get an internship with supply chain. So I got an internship in Juarez and it wasn't something that I liked. At the same time, I had gotten my real estate license when I was 19. And the thing with that, with real estate, that really got me interested was the fact that I had my own time and I was my own boss. That was huge for me. Really, I'm gonna really keep, wanted I'm going to keep leading you away from real estate. So let's let's lead you away from that real quick. Let's go back to high school. What were, who were you in high school? What kind of because I'm going to lead you away from rat and uh, I'm sorry. And from real estate until we get back to I know that's who you are now, but I want to get to know who you who, So let's go back high school, bro. Who, what click did you hang out with in high school? Quien eras in high school? Dude, I had a lot of friends. Um, I was in El Paso, had plenty of friends from El Paso and from Juarez as well. I loved playing soccer. I was on the soccer team and the cross country team and soccer um, was on varsity for four years. My junior and senior year, I was the captain of the soccer team and oh, we nice. got to win state senior year, which I just, I love soccer. And that was probably one of my, my favorite accomplishments in high school. While I was in high school as well, 16 years old, I went for a full year to France through a rotary youth exchange program. They sponsored me. Bro, I did not know any French. So Google Translate was like my bestie for two months. Yeah. It was hilarious because I didn't understand what the hell my family was saying. And <laughs> I remember this is actually hilarious. The first day I get there, I go to my family's house, my host family. Dude, they have pizza and I start eating with my hands. Like, I mean, pizza in the US, you eat it with your hands. They all start looking at me and I'm like, <laughs> what the hell is going on? So they're, they get their forks out and they start cutting the pizza. And I'm like, dude, what is this? So it was just a what, funny experience. What did they say in French? Bro, okay. I mean, in French, they're like, qu'est-ce qu'il fait? And that means, what is he doing? But I didn't know what the hell that meant. So I was just like, all right, dude. I'm going to teach did you, you keep about eating my with your hands? No, I stopped because it would have been weird. Totally embarrassing. Bro, that's it was hilarious. hilarious. So you did an exchange uh, with a family. You went to, uh, how long were you there, you said? For a full year to Montpellier, southern oh, wow. part of France. Very cool. Very cool. I think those experiences are very crucial for people that are in college because like I didn't do something even like that, even though I did have the opportunity to. I almost felt it like it was a waste of time. But now looking back, I'm like, oh, my gosh, like I don't think experiences is ever a waste of time. Right. Like if you have the opportunity to do an experience, like I think you should do it. Diego, can you talk about an experience that you did when you were younger? that that maybe uh has like changed your kind of course of life or whatever because i feel like we might get back to this going to france with uh andres yeah for me it has to do i did a um so i couldn't travel outside the u.s of course right because as a daca recipient can't leave the country from that perspective but i did participate in a conference called and that it was in high school in 10th grade and they basically it was in Washington DC and in New York and they traveled they it was with kids all over the world for like a UN summit and it it was like all the different cultures like people that were Sikh people that were from Europe from Australia Africa all of those different people it allowed me to get to know the different the different types of languages and the culture and i think that that was very important especially at a young age to know that the world is not just within the United States, but there's so much to do uh, and so many people to see from that perspective. I agree. I never I never understand why in baseball they call it the World Series or something like like I'm like, well, but it's just us. I'm so confused. <laughs> Anyways, 
So uh, back to Andres. Okay, so in high school, you were you were you you played soccer. You were the captain. Uh, what happened from high school to college? How'd you get to college? What happened next? Where'd you go? All that fun stuff. Well, from college, as in like what what I did during college and whatnot. UT no, no, so from high school, oh, you went to UT Austin. Okay, great. Did you play soccer in college too? I played for one year. Yeah, it was pretty fun. Yeah, uh, what'd yeah, you study? What year, was your major? Get, talk to us about your college. Dude, so my major freshman year, sophomore year, and junior, they were all different. <laughs> I wasn't really <laughs> sure what I wanted. I heard supply chain. <laughs> One of my friends told me supply chain. I'm like, dude, that name sounds dope. Why don't I just try that out? I got into the Macomb School of Business freshman year. I thought I was going to do supply chain. Got an in internship in Quadis. Did not like it as much. Switched over to management information systems. I ended up minoring in that, but I didn't major in it. Then junior year, I was like, I'm going to do international business because I have that international background. I'm from Mexico, born in the U.S. My parents are from Mexico. I was born in the U.S. And I always say I'm like a third French as well because I live there. So, <laughs> you so just added it was, in there. Yeah, it was like, yeah, third French as well. Just go with it and throw in a little French word and whatnot. But yeah, I mean, claro, oui, oui. <laughs> so... <laughs> So with that, um, I ended up doing international business, major certificate in real estate, and a minor in coding, management information systems like Diego. Oh, man. That's, that's cool. That's so, really cool. Felipe, this, this is interesting because, I mean, at the beginning, it sounds like you, not that you lacked direction, but that there was just like everybody in, in college, right? You just go to college and you try to figure out what is it that you want to do. And for some people, they might feel like it's a waste of time. For others, if you network the right way or you sort of like find yourself from that perspective of what you really want to do, then it, then it definitely pays off. But Andres, so what ended, up, what ended up gearing you towards real estate as you were transitioning from supply chain to MIS to like IT and all of that stuff? Well, I really needed a job in college and I was going to be a lifeguard because I had been a lifeguard for the past three years. So like from 16 or 15 to 18 or 19 and my certificate had expired. So they told me, it's like, dude, your certificate's up. You need to take the classes again. And I was like, hell nah. <laughs> so what I did was then decide to do real estate. So can I touch into that one, Felipe? <laughs> no, you don't have yeah, permission yeah, yeah, yet. Sure. No, of course. <laughs> of course. Go. <laughs> Quick go, go. yes or no. Okay. So um, I jumped into real estate when I was 19. Actually, one of my friends, I forget who it was, but it was either Rui or Otto, really good friends of mine. They told me, it's like, dude, I got this interview request for real estate. You should look into it. I feel like you'd be a good fit. That was when I was 19. I was like, you know what? Let's do it. So Is that I what your friends were telling you in college? Because that's not what my friends were telling <laughs> me in college at all. <laughs> so it was it was pretty it, it was pretty insane that I it got to this to where I am right now because of that. So I emailed the guy, had an interview, he hired me. I just needed to get my license. Ended up getting my license. So freshman and sophomore year was kind of like transition into the rentals, as in I would help all of my friends get their apartments. And I'd either get like a 30% of the first month's rent or I'd get a paid per, per bedroom, which was great because I built a lot of relationships. So roll on to junior year, have a lot of clients from all my business fraternity, my social fraternity and all my groups, a lot of referrals. Now, junior year, I was able to pay for my college and for my um, housing expenses with the money I made. I was also to do, able to do a sale downtown because of a rental client that I had helped. She was like, 
Hey, Andres, I have a, a friend that wants to look into renting. So I called that friend and he said, yeah, dude, my budget's like a million to 3 million. And I didn't know anything about sales whatsoever. So I just told him, all right, I'll send you places. Listen, if you hear a million to 3 million on any sales call, you learn very quickly about Bro, sales. Okay? I learned so fast and I was like, okay, I got you. Long story short, uh, one of my really good friends at the rental company that I was with had experience with sales. We partnered up and he was like the, the guy that spoke with the agents. I was the one that was building rapport with the family and now we're super close and I'm probably going to help him buy something later on. So that was junior year. Then senior year, it was just snowball effect, a lot of rentals. And then from there was when I met Diego and I started on his team full time. So let's talk about that a little bit. This this gentleman with a with a with a million to three million dollar uh, thing. You kind of went over it pretty quickly in regards to the cold call you did, and I think that's really important because a lot of people are scared to make those calls, right? Like the call to Diego, the call to that client, the all, you know all the cold calls that you've had to make throughout your life. I think a lot of people are scared to make that call, and and us as investors know that like on the other side of fear is exactly what you're looking for, right? You were looking for a great career that's going to pay you well to give you your time, and that was a cold call to Diego. Your first big commission. Or, uh, or pitch here was this cold call. Can you talk a little bit about the mindset and what you had to break through to make that cold call? Because there's probably gonna be people listening that are gonna say something like, oh, well, it's easy for him to make those calls, right? He's just type A or outgoing or whatever the case may be. What would you tell someone that's, that's scared to make those calls? So with this, to tell you the truth, I was just like, oh, this is freaking awesome. I wanna call these people. I love doing rentals and whatnot. So the mindset really wasn't there until I met you two guys and I started reading a lot about mindset. But if, if in hindsight, if I would look back and give myself advice, it really be more so the client or my friend has a problem and I'm gonna, going to offer a solution. So it's very important to look at it from that perspective and not like, oh, I'm going to bother them and this and that. Because when you do that minor tweak, like with cold calling, someone's afraid of bothering someone they do have a problem though, and you're offering a solution. So you should never be afraid of offering that solution to that person and knowing that if they don't go with you, they'll go with another realtor that might not be as good as you. And understood one, one of the things that you said was that even though you didn't know with like from leasing to making a sale, you didn't say no, but you decided to partner up with somebody, right? Find that person that would actually still help you solve that problem. Not just be like, oh, I don't want to do it or it is too hard. It's like, how can I make it happen? Let me partner up with somebody that has a little bit more experience and help out this person out. And I feel like that also gave you experience in seeing how they dealt with that sale part. Oh, yeah. And it's also important when partnering up, how do you complement each other? Like you two, you guys complement each other perfectly. So it's very important not just to get a partner, but someone that complements you and can work on your weaknesses and you work to their weaknesses, you know? Oh, no, I was just going to say that I think that's a, that's a great point talking about strengths and weaknesses because I feel like a lot of times people are like, oh, I want to do this on my own or, or they think that their weaknesses is what's holding them back when in reality it's really simple to just partner with someone that can complement you, right? And, you know, for like like Andres said, Diego and I are in business together, interweaved in a couple of, of businesses and we know each other's strengths and weaknesses and at the end of the day, that has been our you know, greatest asset to to building uh, businesses together because we know where each other lacks 
and we're able to just kind of take over that. And it's not like, oh, I'm doing more work or he's doing more work. It's just the power of like, oh, I, I it's not that I'm doing my work. It's just that this work is easy to me and Diego's work is easy to him, right? So if we can both do the easy things that we love and we're complementing each other, then obviously business is going to be a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Love that. I agree. 100%. Agree. Yeah, same, same here. So Andres, what was your transition then from leasing to the sales part? Because full time, you're you're still a realtor um, that happens to be an investor, right? Um, so how was your transition from leasing to being a realtor in sales? From leasing to sales, it was really somewhat hard because I thought I was going to be doing commercial real estate. I wanted to be a, a broker and I had internships with JLL and some other companies. So during the summer of 2019, I was like, should I accept the offer of commercial or should I stick with residential? Something that is not assured income and it's more so you eat what you kill. The financial analyst position was an eight to five and I had a boss though and I didn't have my time freedom. So I just said, you know what? Let's just roll with the punches. Let's see how it goes for the first six months. I've been doing leasing and I want to transition to sales. I'll fall back on leasing or get the commercial real estate route. I just don't want to live with the regret of not doing this. So did a lot, a lot of reading in summer of 2019, listened to a lot of podcasts and I knew what I wanted to do. So September, 2019 moved back to Austin and then I meet Diego around November. I um, joined several masterminds like yours, Rat Race FI, which has been amazing surrounding myself with like-minded individuals. And I mean, from there, it was like, I need to get my first house hack. And regardless if I have a lease or not, I'm going to get it. So I got it under contract in February, closed in April. My lease wouldn't have ended until September, but I got someone to sublease. Interesting. So let's go back to the masterminds part. I like I like getting into the details in, in, in interviews like this because I think it's easy for sometimes for us. Like It's like, oh, I did this, I did that, I did this. And it's like, well, hold on, hold on. Like, give us those actionable steps. So let's talk about first how how important do you think it is, you know, being in masterminds and obviously we have ours rat race to hence the podcast, but like, how important is it to surround yourself with those people? And why is it important? Why do we keep hearing that? Why, why do I have to have people around me that are doing what I want to do? I mean, it's very much so putting yourself to the high frequency that other people put themselves onto, because if you're hearing the same conversations, you're most likely going to be around that same frequency. You know what I mean by frequency is really like, okay, let's talk about investments. And it's like, wait, investments, what are you talking about? Then they start talking about investments and the properties and what they offer. And you're like, damn, I'm interested. If you hang around those type of people, you'll hear those conversations a lot. And subconsciously, you're going to be like, wow, I want to be there. Why am I not there? You'll figure out a way to do it. If you're motivated, obviously. Well, no, if you're disciplined, motivation is different from discipline. It's very important to know that it's discipline that you need instead of motivation. So with this, being in groups like that, tell the truth. Well, my friends were had just graduated. And it's like, dude, a limiting belief. You can't buy a home until you have a family or something like that. So, I mean, that was also one of my limiting beliefs until I started hanging around people that helped me break those limiting beliefs. So it's just so crucial to surround yourself with people that'll push you to be better and call you on your BS if you're like, oh, I can't do this. If they're friends that are like, being complacent and whatnot, they're going to be like, dude, yeah, don't worry. It's not possible. But if it's someone that pushes you, they'll tell you there's always a way and you can find one way to be creative and you'll get a lot of no's, but you'll eventually get a yes. What about, you said 
um, it's better to be not not mo- so motivation or what, what was the, What was the what was the sentence you used there? Discipline over motivation. Discipline over motivation. Where did you get that, and what does that mean? I think that was from Extreme Ownership, or I forgot where it was from, but I really, really love that quote. I have it on my mirror. I post it, and it's like, I mean, motivation can come and go. You know, one day you can go to a seminar and hear everything, and you're like, dude, let's do it. But how many times do people come back and don't take action? You know, so it's more so the discipline. Like, what's your big why? And I'm gonna be disciplined enough to know that big why is gonna push me through even if I'm not feeling motivated. I like that. I like that. And the uh, the other thing too, within the mastermind, uh, I feel like it also, like it changes the frequency and it also, it upgrades your, like your average, right? Like if it's average for your peer group to buy a home once they have a family, then that's what you're going to do. But if it's average for your peer group to buy homes at a young age to potentially house hack, whether it's a duplex, triplex, quadplex, or a single family home and live for free, then you begin to take action towards that and it makes it seem possible. And you go from the, oh, I can't do that to how can I do it? And you keep pushing yourself from complacency to taking action. So that's what the masterminds, if, if they're the right masterminds, that's what they're supposed to do. Andres, you said you've been in a couple of masterminds. What what would you recommend people that are looking for masterminds that maybe think they're just a money grab or something? What should those people be looking for in a mastermind? Well, what they should be looking for is like-minded individuals, you know, people that have kind of a same background to where it's like a common thread, you know, there's a common denominator. It's like, hey, dude, I didn't think I was going to be able to do this. And look where I am right now. It's important to have those like-minded individuals so that you can be like, wow, this person was in my same situation and they're doing it now because they said because of the mastermind. So let me give it a shot. I would talk to people that have been in your same shoes and ask them what they think. If they're part of the mastermind, give them a call, shoot them a text and be like, can I talk for five minutes? I'm interested in this. This is my story. We can relate. Yeah, I think that's powerful. I think a lot of times people are like, oh, you know, I, I think masterminds are, are just a waste of money or this, that, the other. You know, there we can learn this information for free. And it's kind of like, you know, I tell people all the time, it's kind of like going to the gym. Like the gym costs, what, 10, 15 bucks a month? Like anyone can go to the gym, right? Anyone can invest in real estate. But if you really want results, even like Arnold Schwarzenegger had a trainer. Everyone has had trainers, right? And I feel like that's what masterminds do. They give you that groundwork of the right way to invest in real estate or invest in whatever or, or whatever your mastermind has to do. You know, it's interesting because even in rat race in our mastermind, we have people that if I'm not mistaken, have more units than Diego and I like Philip or Tiago, you know, these guys are growing really quickly, but it's interesting that they stick around and Diego and I have like racked our brains around like, why are these people sticking around? But it's because they understand the power of surrounding yourself with people that are doing what you're doing to kind of keep that fire going, right? It's kind of like a fire. You take out an ember of it, it's gonna die out eventually, right? But you keep it in the fire and it's gonna last a lot longer. So I personally believe in the power of masterminds because of that, because it can keep you accountable to like, wow, I haven't made a move in three months. Something's going on. That's what I was gonna say. It's that accountability that basically, if you have a weekly call and you're the only one that for two or three weeks hasn't taken any action, they're gonna call you out and be like, are you in? Like, do you really want to do this? Or if not, you should just quit. Because at the end of the day, you're you're just taking somebody's space that really wants to take action. 
So at the end of the day, a mastermind totally helps, should be helping you out with the accountability. Oh yeah, I agree 100% with that. And also obviously the reputation of your mentors is very important for anyone that's looking into that. Mm-hmm. Agreed, now, agreed. And- Andres, so within this year, so in 2020, you were able to not buy just one property, which was your house hack. And I wanna hear the details of of that house hack, but you've also been able to buy multiple, put them under contract, um, and we're gonna get to that. But can can you share the numbers for for your first house hack? Of course. So with the numbers, the home is worth was worth. When I say was worth, because it's grown a lot now, was worth two hundred eighty six thousand. As a first time home buyer, I could have done a three percent loan. I decided to do ten percent because it made sense with the numbers. I asked for net sheets, and I saw that all cash flow with that. I also had money in reserves because of the sale that I had made downtown. So with that, the PITI, which is principal interest taxes and insurance, essentially the mortgage was 1850. My home's rent I'm getting from the other three rooms is 2150. So taking vacancy and some other things into account, it's around 225 to 250. And with that of cash flow, and with that I pay for my car insurance. So living for free that's and paying awesome. for car insurance. That's that's awesome. That's awesome because you're only so you're you're 24 years old, you're you're living rent free, and like your mortgage is getting paid by other people. That is a great thing to do, especially when you're young, because it also allows you to continue to save money to put into your other to the rest of your portfolio, to that next property. And by you being able to live on the property, you also get the low interest rate. So that's yeah, and that's I feel awesome. like it's it's a lot about the options that house hacking offers. It's not only that you can live there; you can decide, you know, what after a year, I'll rent the whole thing to a, a family, you know, or rent by the rent per room. So those are options. You can also go to an apartment, and with part of your cash flow, you offset that apartment cost if you're going downtown. But it's just so important to know that it gives you flexibility and a lot of options that just renting, you know, would not give you. This is what I this is what I really like about this strategy coming out of straight out of college. <clears throat> One, you're used to living with other people. So you don't really know what it looks like to like live completely by yourself. But two, it gives you the freedom that if you hate your job, you don't have to stay there to pay the bills, right? If you come out of college, you take the job, you live there for, or you're working there for a year, but you're house hacking. So that doesn't mean you absolutely have to be paying your bills because someone else is. You now have the flexibility to go find another job without the stress of like, you know, should I stay or should I go, right? You have this like, okay, I can save up for six months worth of rent really quickly and then I can quit and I can find a different job that I like. I feel like a lot of people get stuck in their nine to five or their rat race because they feel like they have to pay the bills, right? Or they have other responsibilities, which is why they can't quit their job or follow their passion. I'm a big, I'm a big, big supporter of everyone. I think everyone should do this once in their life. They should save up six to eight months worth of worth of income, <clears throat> have that money saved up for their bills, quit their job and follow their passion for six to eight months and see how that's going to change their life. It's going to do one or two things. Either you're going to find a whole new career that you just are super in love and passionate about and you're going to make money, or you're going to be like, crap, that was a mistake, and you're going to go back to a job, but at least you can say you tried. And I would I would, I would, would bet, I'm not a betting man, but I would bet that 90% of the people are going to find a way better way of life 
than being stuck in their nine to five. And I definitely believe that house hacking can give you that opportunity right out of college so you don't have to get stuck in a job but you can decide what it is that you're going to do. Like Andres, for example, he's house hacking and he's giving himself the opportunity to invest in real estate and now he's doing a job that he loves to do as well. Yeah, no, and Felipe too, that's exactly what I did, right? I was a software developer, graduated out of college, started house hacking, put my 5% down, live for free, which is right when, when I met Andres and he's like, hey, I wanna do this, I wanna do that, I'm like, I've done it, let me teach you. I can mentor you from that perspective. And uh, and then fast forward two years later, I was able to quit my job because I gave myself the option through house hacking to be able to leave my job and be okay. Tell And taking more like a calculated risk where my assets are paying for my liabilities, right? And I feel like once Andres buys the second and the third home, it's gonna continue to pay for more of his expenses, and at the end, give him total financial independence from being a realtor. He can still continue being a realtor, but at that point, then he has a choice, and that choice is freedom, because money doesn't bring you happiness, but money gives you the choice of, of options to have. I agree with that. Let's talk about that real quick. Andres, how do you feel about money and it bringing people happiness? Well, like Diego said, it definitely gives you the ability to choose what you want to invest your time in because if you don't have money i mean <laughs> you're gonna need it to pay some things you know and if you uh -huh. needed to pay things like your bills and whatnot that's time that you need to put into doing that so like they said it's all about the time and what money can offer to offset that time i agree 100 percent. I, I think it's great what you're doing so let's run back to your portfolio you you now have a property where you're house hacking, you're living for free, you have your bills getting covered. You're, what's the end of 2021 look like for you, you know, on, on the best case scenario, portfolio wise? The end of 2021 is going to be, well, best case scenario, 7,000 in passive income. So that nice. might be 10 units or a syndication. But the scenario right now that we're looking at, I'm closing on my second home in two months. I'm going to move over to that one, own and occupy it. I had gotten it for 326. Now it's selling for 440. And you're under contract at 326. Yeah, under contract. I think, how insane is that? 125 wow. in equity, which gives me an opportunity to HELOC, refinance. Can do a lot with that. So that one, I got another home under contract as an investor. So 20% down. First phase of a build. So that's very important. If you get a first phase, there's going to be about four more phases in that. Each phase has about 150 homes. So with that, your home's probably gonna go up in value. I got a three beds, two bathrooms for all in 320. I spoke with a builder yesterday and she's telling me that that home will now go for around 355, 360. And that's, that's been awesome. in a month and a half or two months. So I'm gonna close on my, my second house hack in two months, then the Airbnb in about four months, five months. And then I just got another home under contract that isn't scheduled to close until summer of 2022. Wow. So the great thing about that is that I'll be able to do an owner occupant loan after I move out of my second home, because each year you have to be in the home for a year in order to get the benefits of house hacking. I mean, primary residence, so lower down payment and interest rate. So the first year was April, 2020, second year, April, 2021 for the second house. And third year is gonna be like April or June or something, 2022. That's amazing. Andres, that 
That is awesome. And the reason why I say that is because a lot of people, right, with, with house hacking, I've always mentioned that you have to live in that property for a year or two years and then you can buy your next one, right? But a lot of people will wait that whole year and then decide, okay, where do I want to live next? But you're putting in yourself in a position where you, in like six months in, you can already lock in that price, especially in Austin because Austin has been appreciating like crazy. But you can lock in that price. You already know where you're going to go next and then just wait for it to be built. And you've already done that for 2021 and now 2022. So that is a great way to strategize so that you can still continue to take action and just put them under contract. And one of the benefits with this too that we've talked about is the earnest money. Whether it is 500 bucks or 3,000 bucks, you are at least playing the game and then you can decide. Maybe by 2022, like in January, you're like, you know what? I do not wanna buy this house hack anymore because I wanna put my money into a syndication. But at least now you may have the choice to actually say yes or no where other people don't get a choice. So I really like that part about you. Yeah, I love I love the new build strategy. It's just insane. For the Airbnb, I remember we talked about that. You got one as well. And mm-hmm. it was just like, you know what? I'll put the deposit. I don't need, okay, I actually don't even know if it's going to be an Airbnb to tell you the truth. It was more so, let me just get this under contract and I'll figure it out. Seven months from now, I'm going to close. So I don't really care. It's just getting that equity and having a number in my head. My my number was 30K in equity. If I don't have that, then I'll partner or I'll, I'll figure something out. But I already have those 30K in equity. So I'm like definitely keeping this one. So I don't think a lot of people realize what you're saying, Andres. And you know what you're saying is you're, you're making a bet that the appreciation is going to pay off with what? you're. So you're basically doing like an option. You're putting a thousand bucks down and you're like, it's going to go up 30 grand. And if like, you're like, oh, you know, the market goes down the tank. Dude, you lost a thousand bucks, right? Like it's not, you know, I would do that. I would do that bet all day, a thousand bucks to make 30 grand in seven months. Like that's unheard of. It's like the safest bet. Yeah. Especially in markets that are competitive. The great thing about this is that you don't have to compete. Now builders are starting to get savvy though. And they're doing bids, unfortunately. So best and highest. I still have relationships with some builders that don't do that. And that's been great because a lot of my first time home buyers, they're going to have to compete against people that are doing 50,000 over asking 60,000. I did 150 over asking on one. And that's just absurd. Like it's first time home buyer. I wouldn't recommend that whatsoever. You know, it's too much money right out of pocket. The one thing too, that, that I want to share with you on under Sue and everybody here in the audience too, is that you've been able to build like as a realtor too, you don't spend your time cold calling, you don't spend your time door knocking, but you've built, you give value through social media and your sphere. And you've been able to find your unfair advantage or your competitive advantage with your sphere, which is the college students that have graduated that now have a good job, or maybe their parents can help them be able to buy a home. And putting yourself in a position where using, building on those relationships to be able to get them into new builds where right now it, it's extremely hard. Oh yeah, no, it's been it's been great and thankful for people like you and Victor and Felipe that have helped me because with the social media, it's just been, it's skyrocketed and it's more so like putting yourself out there being the real estate guy or gal. And 
from there, it's been great. It's crazy how Instagram works like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the power of social media is really important. People tend to like, like sleep on this. But, you know, we were talking, me and Diego had a meeting with Ryan Pineda the other day. And, and he's all in on social media, right? He's like, man, the power of social media is basically the same as currency. Like you can have an audience that's going to see you daily and what you're doing is really powerful, right? Because now you're not, it's not about what you're talking about. It's what you're actually doing and just putting it on social media, right? Not only are you a realtor, but you're also an investor. So people trust you because they know that you can look at a property different than just any old realtor who's like there to, you know, flip a property, make some money and then go home. You are invested where you are selling. And I think that's really important because you're doing what you're talking about you're doing. So <clears throat> I wanted to, I want to talk a little bit more about, okay, so you're, you're, you're house hacking now. You're doing this uh, new build house hack style thing that's like, I've never heard of it, but I think it's a great strategy. I wish that I could do it here. Um, you have Tesla in your backyard in Austin. You have a bunch of companies moving to, to Austin. Um, what's the final destination goal for you, Andres? Like where, where do you want to be at? What, what does that look like? Final destination. Well, for now, my, put my goal to be 7,000 in passive income and helping 50 families for this year. The end goal is, I mean, it moves around, you know, right now I couldn't really tell you that I have a, an end goal. I'm looking at my visions board right now, but I would say it's just having enough passive income so that I can. I can be able to show my family the wonders of the world and just be able to not have to work for anyone, have my free time. As cliche as it sounds, there's no real number that I know of right now. I know that right now 7K is that number that I I want and that hopefully I'll be getting by the end of this year. That's the plan. I like that. I like that 100%. Um, unless Diego has a follow-up question, you can answer this question. I was wondering what would you tell the audience or someone that's listening to this now, you know, 18, 19 year old kid uh, getting ready to go start college or in the middle of college now. And, and they're like, man, I really I really like what Andres has built and I want to do that as well. You know, what would you tell that um, that person are some of actionable steps that they can take to become, you know, financially free, get into real estate, you know, exa do exactly what you're doing? Like the biggest thing would be, and remember Diego Iñaki, we had a, a little intern come to Austin. Shout out to him. Um, I would say find a mentor. It's so important because that person has been through everything. And if you can shadow that person, you trust them and you build that rapport, that mentor will have you not have to reinvent the wheel and will take you through the steps needed, especially at such a young age. Imagine at 18, I think Iñaki's like 16 and he killed it when he came here stayed at my place and he shadowed myself and Diego and he's asking all the right questions. And he, in the end, he was like, dude, what books do you recommend I read? He was hungry and I could see that. So if he comes to Austin, he'll probably be on our team, which would be awesome. I'd say super important. If you find a mentor at an early age, you could just skyrocket your learning. Yeah. I do agree with that too, Andres, because I feel like what may have taken, so a huge example right, right now it's, Last year, I sold 56 homes, right? You said that your goal for this year on year two is for you to sell 50 homes. And it took me five or six, it took me five years of doing this full time before I got to where I am. But because of the norm is just higher, like that average now, it, it is higher. Now for you, I have no doubt that you're already gonna hit that 50, 50 home sales because you already have like 15 or 20 homes under contract already. Right. So it's sort of like 
you're already taking all of the action the action and it will exponent exponentially grow um, as you're learning from your mentor what may have taken me five years is going to take you two and that's freaking awesome and that's a perfect example of the power of a mastermind of good mentors not just you know mindset mentors but mindset with action mentors like i think that's the powerful because because yes you know andres has shifted his mindset and we'll talk about the books in a minute of what what books andres recommends but i think i think that's the power of of having two things mindset and action and you know this goes back to something like not to get religious or whatever but like i remember when i was going to church and i was like a lot younger when i was in my teens uh still going to church today but uh when i was younger going to church I would listen to like certain pastors or certain people I'd be like, oh, come to the front. I'll pray for you or whatever. And it's like, great. Like people would go up, they'd get prayed for, they'd feel better. They'd go sit down. And then I would watch them just go to the parking lot, get in their cars and leave. And I'm like, well, all you did was give them a prayer. Like you didn't help them give them an actionable step of how to fill in the blank, whatever their issue was going on. And I think that's the difference in our mastermind and in a lot of others is we look for people's problem, we help them, or we try to find actionable steps that they can take, not just a mindset game, right? It's not just like, here, I hope you feel better, go on your day, good luck. You know, for example, Diego has given Andres actionable steps, and now he's given him a really cool goal to reach that 50 homes, which took Diego five, six years, it's going to take Andres two to three years to do, and hopefully he'll do it this year. I know he can. Um, Andres, what is what are some books that you recommend um, for people that want to get to the level that you are and then you know Diego and so forth and so Dude, on. I love this. Miracle Morning is 100% the book everyone should read. I follow that religiously and I have it right here. It's probably one of the best books I've read and has really changed my life by Hal Elrod. That's an amazing book. I'd also say The Power of Now is a book that really changed my perspective. Being present in the now, you should read it. It's It, it kind of goes crazy. It's a little weird, but it's very, very interesting book. Um, Psycho-Cybernetics is also a great book. I, those two about, there's two about, my, well, three are about mindset. Miracle Morning, though, is more so like about the habits you do in the early morning before 8 a.m. so that you can just be focused on your day and everything else ahead after 8 a.m. Um, would you be able like to share? Has over me at 8 a.m. I'm warm as a mug. <laughs> <laughs> would you be able to share what are what are those six things that Hal Elrod taught in his book? Because I know you implement them. I know you wake up at freaking 4:45 in the morning or something. So can can you share that with the audience? Yeah, of course. So for example, today, and this is what I always do each weekday. So wake up at 4:45. Okay, start off the morning. the The night before is crucial to how you wake up. Very important to not be on your phone 30 to 45 minutes before you go to sleep. Leave your phone away from your bed. Don't use your phone. And then I also have like an affirmation I read before I go to sleep that says, just cutting it short, I'm going to wake up at this time. By doing so, I significantly increase my likelihood of being productive, this and that, an affirmation. So after that, go to sleep around 10, 10.30, maybe 11. Wake up at 4.45, turn my alarm off. I do my bed and small wins are important. Drink a cup of water drive to the gym, do about an hour of gym. That's around 6, 10 when I finish. Take a cold shower with affirmations, like a speaker doing affirmations while I'm in the shower, cold shower. Then I do gratitudes and meditation. After that, affirmations, then visualizations, then I read. And by that time, it's like 7.30 a.m. So from 4.45 You've to You've already done more than most people do in a day. 
Yeah, it's pretty crazy. And I love it that my roommates have started to do that as well. And also my brother that he started doing that. So I'm super proud of him. And he told me, dude, he was like, he called me. He was like, bro, Miracle Morning is amazing. I can't believe I hadn't done it before. And I was just like, that's so awesome. I think that's really cool because because you're giving back, bro. So like, yeah, you're also you're taking from mentors and you're learning a lot. And I love that you said that because a lot of people don't realize that the way they start their morning is a projection of how their day is going to go. So if you're putting positivity into your life from the beginning, like that's amazing. Um, and, and, and it's really cool that I don't even think you realize that you're giving back to those that you are surrounding yourself. Or I'm sorry, those that are surrounding themselves around you. Because there's a big difference between who you surround yourself with and who's surrounding themselves around you. Your roommates and your brother are surrounding themselves around you while you're surrounding yourselves, you know, with Rat Race Defy and other people. It's kind of like those monkeys. Have you seen those red monkeys uh, <laughs> on like Toy Story? Yeah, the hanging monkeys. Like you're helping these guys come up with these, you know, with this miracle morning that you're showing them. So I think that's the positivity of giving back. So you're feeling good about yourself as well. And you're also taking from uh, mentors and learning. So that's super powerful. Dude, I think you're putting yourself in a position to be extremely happy, extremely healthy and extremely wealthy, you know, going forward. So I think you're taking the right actionable steps. And I hope that everyone follows you and learns from what you're doing for sure. Thanks, brother. Appreciate that. Cool. Diego, any last words? Any last words? Um, no, I mean, I think that we have gone over a lot of a lot of his story about who he is as a person because yeah. I feel like building the relationships, and that's something that that Andres has done, is building relationships with builders, with buyers, like just putting putting himself in positions where the conversations allows him to create relationships that he that he really cares about so i feel like he has an amazing future ahead which makes me like super pumped especially because i hang out with him literally i think every single day and uh yeah so andres any any last words that you might want to share with the audience and also where can they find you um well last words one quote that i really like is a quote that's listen to others talk to yourself it's super important to really listen to those that are talking to you and not listen to the voice in your head, but instead talk to yourself, you know, positive affirmations. That's one thing that's very, very important. And uh, you guys can find me on on my Instagram. It's Andres Busta TX. That's A-N-D-R-E-S-B-U-S-T-A-T-X. Also on Facebook, Andres Bustamante. And then also on House Hack Austin. It's a blog post not only relevant to Austin, but just house hacking in general. We just put house hack Austin, Diego and myself for the SEO. Yeah. Andres, thank you so much, dude. Thank you so much for being on Rat Race to Five podcast. I'm super excited to get you interviewed again in about a year and see where you've grown and where you're at. So we'll definitely have a follow up to this, man. Seriously, thank you so much for being on uh, and we will see you next time. Thanks, guys. The Rap Race to Five podcast, where we discuss money, mindset, real estate investing, and ways to achieve financial independence. Whether you are a rookie or a veteran needing new ideas for investing or creating side hustles, you're in the right place.